Well, good afternoon. My name is Rich, and it's a great day to be in church. It really is. Yes, Ooh, I love this front row over here. Way to go. If you're watching online, pull up a comfortable chair and get out a pen or type in the chat line and let us know that you're there. There. Let us know where you're at. You're, I'm glad you're here. Now, I, I need some help from you guys. Anybody here beside me, don't let me stand up here alone. Anybody here besides me struggled to learn to read as a youngster? <laughs> All right, I'm not alone. I am not alone. Okay, not only did I struggle to learn to read, I hated to read. In fact, I actually have proof that I hated to read. I have one of my report cards. Look at that cutie. <laughs> Woo! That was me. I, I think that's third grade. I'm, I'm maybe nine or ten. And, and we had a class called Reading. And you can see, <laughs> I did get a little better, but if my average grade was probably a C. But if you look to the right, you'll probably figure out why it was a D or C. <laughs> Does unnecessary talking. Who would guess, right? <laughs> I hated reading. Unless my mom was reading to me. I remember this like it was yesterday. Now, may, maybe it was because mom would do her reading to us in the evenings. You know, um, I had finally started to calm down because I was a super hyperactive kid. Maybe it was because I wanted to get an extra half hour of being able to stay awake. But I loved when mom would read to us. I remember like it was yesterday, uh, sitting on the edge of the bed, and mom would pull me up, put her arm around me. I could feel her warmth. I could smell. It was the smell of my mom. And then she'd start reading. And it was like I was transported into another place. It was absolutely amazing. My favorite stories were Bible stories. I remember one particular book that she had. It was huge. It would fall out and cover her complete lap. So my brother was on one side. I was on the other. We'd still get to see. And they're filled with these amazing pictures and stories of Jesus. And it was almost like I could touch him. I felt him. He was moving. He could heal. He could do these amazing things. And I had so much joy just hearing these stories. And then I grew up. I got older. And it's almost like there, there started to get a callus on my heart. Like my innocent faith was being robbed from me. That joy of childhood was being yanked out of my life. Have you been there? Have you ever felt that? Yeah. Seems like our world, and this just adds to that feeling, it seems like the world is just turning upside down. I mean, we see what happened in Uvalde to these precious, innocent kids, and I'm thinking, they're my grandkids' age. They go to school, and I'm thinking, are they safe? Then I see the news and the war in Ukraine continues to go on. And, and, and I hear the latest news that Russia's upset with the U.S. right now. And so they're doing drills with nuclear bombs. This is unsettling. And then there's the battles that are going on in our very own homes. Broken marriages that create division and pain. Rebellious children that will rob your joy. Bad habits that threaten our family's unity. 
And it just seems like it wants to steal that childlike faith from us. Friends, I want you to listen to me. In the middle of all this chaos, God does not want us to lose that beautiful childlike faith. God can restore our joy for life, even in the middle of sadness. Jesus is able to infuse us with peace, even while surrounded by a world at war. Jesus will give us deep rest even while we're smothered in our hurt. Hold on to that truth. Hold on to it. Today I'm going to help you do that. I'm going to help you hold on to truth. Today we're starting a new series and it's called A Table for Two. It's based off a book and a companion book that my son Richie gave me, and we've been doing it, reading it together, and sharing notes with each other. And I'm telling you, it has come at the perfect time in my life with the craziness that's going on around us. The book is called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. If you want to capture the, I, the QR code, you'll be able to order it off Amazon. It is an amazing book, written by Louis Giglio. Crazy name, but really an, a, a very interactive writer. Very good book. The companion book is called At the Table with Jesus. Now, I actually had four copies or so. I had some copies that I had purchased and started giving them out. And I put one of those, uh, two of those at the back, but they're all gone already. So you'll have to also use the QR code for that for the second book. Lit. It's called a table, At the Table with Jesus. Those books and this series is based off of a chapter in the Bible book of Psalms. Now, Psalms was written by a young man whose name was David. He was writing from a place of brokenness. Many of his songs, if you read through them, they're filled with this sense of a struggle because he's feeling alone or abandoned by God. So this is a kind of guy I can relate to. He was a shepherd, but at a very early age... He was crowned king. A great man of God came into his town and in front of his whole family. He says, this is the one who's going to be the king. The problem was there was already a king. And that king didn't like this idea of being threatened by a young man. So what does he do? He decides that he's going to put David to death. So much of David's early years were spent in hiding running around and finding a place to hide in caves, all kinds of craziness. It was almost like his world was crashing down on him when he writes my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. This chapter starts out like this. Maybe you'll recognize these words. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Do you recognize it? Psalms 23. It's often called the Lord is my shepherd psalm. And the rest of that chapter goes on to describe these amazing things that God has for us, for you and for me. I'm just going to go through them quickly, but I want you to do something different. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine as I read these that God is speaking to you. Close your eyes for a minute. This is God saying this to you. I will give you rest in green meadows. 
I will lead you beside peaceful mountain streams. I will renew your strength. I will restore your soul. Even when you're walking through the hardest, darkest moments of your life, and some of you this morning are walking through those moments right now, God says this to you, I will be close to you. So close that you will not have to feel fear. I am with you. I will protect you. I have a special blessing for you. You can open your eyes. I don't want you to fall asleep. <laughs> when you hear those words, don't you just want to go, oh, I need them, Lord. I need those words. May it be so, Lord. My favorite verse in that section is actually verse 5, and it goes like this. You prepare a feast. You set up a table for me. I want you to pull out your notes because I want you to circle that word, me. It's a time that you get to shine here. Me. God is preparing a feast for me, for you, in the presence of my enemies. Whoa. The great God who created the ever-expanding universe, he wants a deep personal connection with you, with me. You're seated at a table with Jesus, the king of the universe. Let that picture sink in. Let it go from your heart to your mind. Recently, we were invited to go out to eat with some friends, and they took us to, of all places, SpaceX. We went to their restaurant. It was really cool. The actual restaurant exterior was made out of one of the wings that blew off of one of the, their spaceships that blew up. It was really cool. But the coolest thing about it was we had reservations. We walked in there, and we went straight to our table. We didn't get one of those square plastic things you put in your pants, and all of a sudden, you know, it vibrates you and says, oh, your table's ready. We didn't have that. We went straight to our table, and we were treated like royalty. It was a four-course meal. It was absolutely delicious, but even better than the food was the fellowship. And then to top it all off, our friends paid the bill. <laughs> that makes everybody happy, right? The meal that Jesus has for us, the table that he's set for us, it makes that SpaceX meal look like trash. Everything our spiritual hearts desire and need, it's at the table. And there's no reservation needed. It's available to everyone. Jesus is our five-star chef. He's the one who waits on us. He's our server. He's in, even sitting down to enjoy the food with us. God's sitting with us to enjoy a meal with us. And the cool thing is, he also paid the bill. He paid it with his death and resurrection. And Jesus is saying, come, come and sit with me. Enjoy this time together with me. I want to talk to you. I want to be your friend. 
I want you to really understand this. I want this to go from your, your heart to your mind. I want you to hold on to this. In the notes there, I've written this sentence out there. Jesus invites me. And put me in big letters, me. Jesus invites me to come and enjoy a meal with him. The problem is, in order to enjoy a meal with Jesus, you actually have to sit down and eat. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a breakfast person. And if my meal's gonna have anything, it's gonna have breakfast food on it. Maybe some warm croissants with some butter and jelly. Maybe some smoked Gouda cheese, because everything's better with cheese. Everything. <laughs> and then to, to kind of balance it out, we're going to have some fresh fruit there. But the main portion on my meal, it's going to be my wife, Maria Mia's chilaquiles con nopales. They are out of this world amazing. I could eat them every morning, and she's like, again, do we have to do this? <laughs> I love them. And if Jesus were to make them, whoo, they'd be even better. I'm so excited about this concept, this idea, and I know, I know that I'm talking about real food. And what Jesus is offering isn't physical food. That will happen someday in paradise, in heaven, when we sit with him. It says in the Bible that we will actually eat a meal with him. I can't wait for that. I can't imagine what that food's going to taste like. But right now, God is saying, I have something to offer to you. I have heaping bowls of peace in a troubled world. I have a platter of protection for your soul, for you and your children. I have what you need to survive and thrive. It's right here. Will you sit down and eat with me? Will you? He wants you to be near him. He wants you to open up your hearts and be, have him be a part of it. Now, not everyone is happy about this whole scenario. When Maria and I go to Jason's Deli, we always like to go and order uh, all-you-can-eat salad. But we get it to go because if you go and get an all-you-eat salad, can eat salad, and then two of you share it at the table inside the dining room, you're going to get in big trouble. You know, why aren't you buying your own salad? So we'll get one and box it up. And what we'll do is we'll go outside Jason's Deli and we'll sit down on one of their picnic tables. And this is a wonderful place. We're, we're alone. We're quiet. We can go into deep conversation. We can talk about the things that our strug we're struggling with, what we're, hurt, what we're going through, whatever. It's a great time for conversation. The problem is, there, it never fails. There's always this lousy, ratchet, one-legged stump of a nasty crackle that shows up at our table. I mean, I can't tell you how ugly he is. I mean, he is nasty. And he's over there. He's looking at you with that nasty, beady little eye. You know, he's like, I want some of that. And then he, he's so tame, he'll come right up to the table and start eating this, you know, the little things that may fall off your plate. Well, knowing me, I'm like, I'm a bird watcher. And even if it's a nasty bird, I'm kind of intrigued. And so I'm starting to intentionally, without Maria looking, you know, breaking a little piece of 
croissant off and dropping it to the floor so he can come and get it. The next thing you know, I am actually have a piece of that in my hand and I'm trying to feed him. And my wife's going, seriously, Rich, am I having to compete with a one-legged grackle? Seriously? <laughs> and I'm just, I'm totally oblivious. I don't even hear her words. And I'm just sitting there feeding. Before long, it's jumped on the bench. Before long, it's up on the table and it wants to eat our food. And I'm just going right along with it. And what I've realized is what I'm actually doing is I'm separating myself from an intimate, beautiful conversation with my wife. I've walked away from the table. The sad thing is, I don't see it. I don't notice till I'm already disconnected. I look back and I see the look on my wife Maria Mia's face. I could tell I've heard her. I've allowed a nasty, stump-legged grackle to create a disconnect with me and her. Friends, there's something much more sinister than a nasty one-legged grackle trying to distract you from your table, from your friendship, from your communion with Jesus. And his name is Satan. Satan wants to keep you from this close friendship with Jesus. Satan is furious when he no longer has access to us. He knows the power. If you sit down at that table and you start talking with Jesus, he knows the power you will have over him. You'll be able to beat him at his own game. He knows that he'll no longer have our attention. He knows that he'll no longer to be able to control our thoughts and our mind and fill it full of anxious thoughts. He knows that he'll no longer be able to make you feel powerless. And it only takes a crack, a sliver of opportunity, a single thought in our mind that begs for action. And the next thing you know, you shoved yourself back from the table and you're no longer communicating with Jesus. You've turned your back and you've walked away. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. Don't ever become fearful or paranoid or obsessed with the devil. I want you to listen to Jesus' words. It says, you, that's you, each one of you. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the victory because the spirit who lives in you is greater. Circle that word, greater. The spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. That is truth. But also know that we have a very real enemy, an enemy who wants to pull us away from that table with Jesus, who wants to break your connection with God. And the sad thing is Satan starts so casually. He's so smooth. He starts with our thoughts. Satan plants a seed in our thoughts, and man, we, there we go, watering it. And it starts to grow. And then it's out of control. Satan is a thief. He wants to steal control of your mind. He wants control of your thoughts. So how do we prepare for a thief? How do we keep Satan from stealing from us? 
So how many of you guys out here have a new, one of those newfangled uh, alarms, okay? It's, it's the kind that it's hooked up to your doorbell and actually has a camera. I forget what they're called, but the other day we were out doing door-to-door for uh, the prayer walk they were going to have on the land, and we decided to go around the, uh, the perimeter and stop at the churches outside of our church, I mean at the houses outside our church property. And so I go up to one of these doorbell, doors, and I'm looking for a doorbell, and there I see this weird long doorbell, and I push the button, and it starts to talk to me. I'm like, what in the world? I must be old or something. Get with it, Pastor Rich. It starts to talk to me, and it's not a recording. It's someone who's watching me. Hello? Can I help you? And I'm like, (laughs) and and the next thing you know, we're we're in a conversation. I'm inviting them to come to church and all this kind of stuff. But I want one of those alarms. That is so incredibly cool. You prepare for a thief by keeping watch over your home. You set up alarms at the vulnerable places where someone could gain access. Those vulnerable places of access in our lives, they're our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. We must stop Satan before he gets to our doorknob, before he gets into our house, before he pulls us from that table with Jesus. How do we do that? Well, it starts in our thoughts. When an evil thought, a lie from Satan, threatens my mind, I must take my thoughts captive. The Bible says we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. We capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. When those unwanted thoughts come streaming into my mind, and they will, they will, I'll sometimes shout out, I'll shout these words out loud, Jesus, help me. Take control of these thoughts. Take them from me. Don't allow the enemy to have a seat at my table. Don't allow him to control my thinking. Come in and push him out. That may sound weird. In fact, I try not to do that when I'm around people. I try to do that when I'm off somewhere alone, but it's biblical. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. You see, Jesus has placed his Holy Spirit inside of each one of us who've given our lives to him. Jesus in you has the power to resist the devil I challenge you, reject him out loud. Those words that you're saying, those words of rejection to Satan, those are a declaration of purpose that the enemy needs to hear. Satan, he can't read our thoughts. Only God can, but he can sure hear our words. Come to the table. Open your ears to be able to hear Jesus by taking your unwanted unhealthy thoughts captive. And then I must switch the channel in my mind. I must. I must switch my mind away from the bad or negative thoughts. Friends, stop gazing at that door marked temptation. Don't allow Satan's thoughts to get comfortable in your mind. 
Walk in the opposite direction. Put your eyes on Jesus. Switch the channel. Walk in the opposite direction. The Bible says it this way. Let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Pastor Louis Giglio, weird name. He's the one who wrote that book I'm talking about. He puts it this way, and I love this. I think it's hilarious. Let Jesus DJ your thoughts. Okay, any of you here beside me been to a quinceanera? Okay, how about a quinceanera where the the DJ was so loud you couldn't talk to anyone? (laughs) Right? You couldn't not just talk. It was almost like you couldn't even think it was so loud. It's like, I'll just sit here and be quiet. (laughs) When I switch my thoughts to God's thoughts, when I let Jesus DJ my thoughts, I allow God's truth to become the loudest voice in my mind. And his voice isn't screaming in my ear, it's whispering into my heart with a power that silences the voice of our enemy. Here's how it looks for me. I run my thoughts through what I call the Philippians 4.8 filter. One of my favorite verses. I'll take what I'm thinking and I'll run it through that verse. Is what I'm thinking true? Is it honorable? Is it a just thought? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is there any excellence in what I'm thinking? If there's anything worthy of praise, I will think about those things. I come back to Jesus. I come back to the table. I say, God, you are good. You are my protector. You are my healer. You're the one who gives me the strength to overcome. You are all powerful. You are my savior. You are my refuge. I switch the channel of my thoughts. One of the things that's been of the greatest help in my life to be able to do that, to switch the channel of my thoughts, is more than just thinking good thoughts. It's actually memorizing Bible verses, memorizing scripture. I must fill my thoughts with scripture. As a young husband, I learned that memorizing Bible verses is a powerful weapon to fight off Satan's attacks. As a young husband, in the very first years of our marriage, I kept struggling with with temptation, a temptation to entertain impure thoughts. I would allow my mind to go to lustful thinking. And I didn't find relief until I started putting scripture into my mind. It was like a sword that I could use against the enemy. One of my favorites is 2 Timothy 2.21. And it says, if you keep yourself pure, if you you won't let those unclean thoughts be in your mind, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be able and ready for the master to use for every good work. Man, this, this work, this verse empowered me. It was like, yeah, I want to be that guy who Jesus can just go to at any moment and pick up and say, I'm going to use you for something very special. 
I'll be so clean and ready that he'll say, hey, hey, there's, there's this, this guy over there in, in Walmart, over by the, and this, is, this has happened, over there by the frozen food section, and he's crying. He needs you to go talk to him. And I'm ready because I'm clean and ready to be used by him. And God uses me. We have a, a, a crazy cool moment right beside the frozen food in Walmart. It is so amazing. Memorized scripture reminds me of the power I have, what I want, and it helps to fight off the enemy. The Bible says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Now listen to the rest of this. That I might not sin against you. Memorized scripture has the power to keep us from going to sin. What lies from Satan have you so tied up that you can't move forward? Memorize God's word and use it to drive Satan away. When Satan says, you're worthless, you come right back at him with scripture. God's written my name, Satan, on the palm of his hands. I am precious to God. I am honored. I am loved. Both verses from Isaiah, easy to memorize. Use them as a weapon against Satan. When Satan says, see, I told you, I told you God's not listening. You come right back at him. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. He bends down to listen to me. I will pray as long as I have breath. When Satan says, go ahead, do it. It's going to make you feel so good. You deserve it. You tell Satan, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for me. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I will not become a slave to anything. Use it as a weapon. When Satan says, man, you might as well just give up. No, you tell him, I am strong. I will not give up. My work will be rewarded. You tell him, Jesus tells me to come to him. All of us who are weary, come to him for carrying heavy burdens, and he will give me rest. The Bible is packed full of verses that you can use as swords against the enemy. In fact, we did a little menu insert in the bulletin, and this is just some of the most personal ones that, that I've been dealing with, and, and you can find scripture to battle back. Memorize God's words. Fill your mind with truth. Feed on it. Come back to the table and find the power to replace those damaging thoughts. Yet there will be times when we're just too weak to even crawl to the table. I've been there. I've had weeks like that. I bet you have too. That's when we need to reach out and invite a friend to the table. There's a beautiful picture of friendship that's painted in the Bible, and it's probably my favorite picture of friendship. It's five guys. One of them has been paralyzed since birth, never walked in his whole life. 
And he hears about, and, 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 his five, and his four friends. And they hear, and I don't know who started this conversation, but they decide that they're going to try to get to Jesus. Maybe it was the friends who saw someone hurting and said, we're going to bring you to Jesus' table. Or maybe it was a friend who was hurting and reached out to his, his, his friends and said, hey, take me to the table. The conversation happened, and we find themselves on the way to meet Jesus. The problem is when they get to Jesus, the place is packed. They can't get up front to him. And they know if he could only touch their friend. The friend knows if I can only be touched by Jesus, I'll be healed. And then, I don't know how this conversation happened, but one of those five guys says, you know what? Let's try the roof. They climb up on top of the roof. And the Bible says that they did this. This is crazy. They dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. The Bible goes on to say that Jesus touched him and healed him, and he didn't go back out the way he came in. He went out walking, and I imagine leaping, and just praising God. Do you have friends like that? You can call for, on for help? Are you a friend like that? Can people call on you for help? You see, God designed us to help each other. I want to challenge you to be that kind of friend. Look for those kinds of friends. Reach out to them. Notice when a friend is hurting or weak and say, let me help you get to the table. Tell a friend when you're hurting and weak. Tell them, I can't do it. Show me how. Lead me to the table. Text each other. Be honest with them, but get to the table. Share your thoughts. Share your doubts. Share your struggles. Share your failures. And ask your friend to take you to the table. Or bring that friend to the table. You see, Jesus wants a deep relationship with each and every one of us. I hold on to that truth in this troubled world. He's calling us to know him deeply, to, to sit and share time with him, personal time, like friends in the middle of a raging war around us. The problem is, many of us in the audience here today, we've been walking around the table we get this idea that that food must taste pretty amazing. We hear that soul food being presented here at church every Sunday. And for some reason, we're content with just hearing about it. We never sit down at the table. Jesus is calling you, sit at the table with me. I want a relationship with you. I want to talk to you. I want you to hear me. I want to hear what you're struggling with. But sit at the table. Will you this afternoon with me sit at the table with Jesus? The Bible says in Revelations 3.20, it says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in 
and catch the rest of this verse. And we will share a meal together as friends. Don't put this off. If you know the Lord, but you've been far from the table with him, take time to reconnect with him. Come sit at the table. And if you don't know the Lord, make today that day where you respond to the knock at your door. It's Jesus. Where you open the door and invite him to sit and eat with you. Don't put it off. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe that you died and rose from the dead. And I confess you. I say it out loud. You are my Lord. It's as simple as that. Invite him in. Open the door and sit and dine with him. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to share a meal with you. Will you let him? Let's pray together. Jesus, you've walked where we've walked. You know our hearts. You know the struggles going on around us that threaten to steal our faith, our peace, our hope. You've been there. I pray that in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the craziness that's threatening to consume us, that you would draw us near to you and that we would experience that joy that childlike faith that we will return to you. Don't let us, don't allow us to wander around the table searching for food. Call us to sit with you. Slow us down. Strengthen our faith. Empower us to be lights in this dark world. Refuel our spirits with your heavenly food. We want what you have to offer. We come to the table, Lord. Fill us with your presence. I ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.